Good morning to you all. Uh, it is good to see all of you after a while. Yeah, so just, uh, it has been a while, but we thank God that we have managed to uh, meet once again and fellowship in his name. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, this morning, as we are going to be sharing uh, from the word of God, uh, something that probably we have shared on before or other people have spoken about, but uh, the word of God remains the word of God all the same. Um, this morning, my encouragement is to talk about the power and profit in the word of God for those who like titles, uh, so that at least you can say, this is what we learned about today, uh, the power and profit in the word of God. That is the, uh, the name of my, the title of my message. Um, I'm going to talk about the word of God. So call it for those who have done a little bit of Bible school, you can say, we're going to share about the doctrine of the word. Maybe to summarize it, the doctrine of the word. So I'm going to talk about that um, and we'll share a few points that are important in the way we view the word of God. We know what it is. We know what, how important it is in our lives. Um, so if we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, I'll just use that as my best scripture. But as we go, we'll be looking at uh, different um, uh, verses to support what we'll be talking about. So Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is one scripture that describes what the word of God is all about. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. We don't have much of an appreciation of what swords are like in our generation. But generations before knew what a sword is like. It was a weapon of warfare. It was an offensive weapon. Um, so that's what they used when they go to war and they are fighting uh, in, in, in battle. So basically what the word of God is saying to us is we have one uh, weapon of warfare which God has given us such that if we don't have it you cannot face the enemy because it is the offensive weapon that you need to go to warfare. So that is the word of God. So it says it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Whatever sword you have seen, I know kings have come before, kings have gone, new kings have come, and I'm sure from generation to generation, each king would say, I want the best sword as the king. But I want you to know that regardless of what it was like, it cannot compare to the word of God. Hallelujah. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. In other words, in its effect, it will achieve in warfare the things that we face in our daily lives, the things that we encounter, whatever challenges. When we speak the word of God, its effect 
to a situation or addressing a situation is sharper than a double-edged sword. It will deal with the situation decisively. So I want us to have a view of that concerning the word of God, that when we read it, whatever it says, there is a portion of the word of God in scripture that is relevant to every situation we go through. So what we need to do is that we draw the sword out of its pouch. In other words, we are not going to be just a people who carry Bibles, but without using the word of God. We need to take it out of the book and apply it and to, a, to situations. When we do so, it will address situations. It will deal with situations so that we become victorious. Okay. Now, what I also want us to um, realize from what the scripture is saying there, it says it is um, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. In other words, it is so decisive to be able to separate what always is a difficult thing for us to describe as human beings to say, what is the difference between, between soul and spirit? But the word of God deals with that, knowing what is soul, what is spirit, it can do that. It is also to the extent that it knows that in a joint, this is the marrow, this is the joint, there is no mistake. But probably today, if you are to open a joint, you are, it's difficult for you to know, okay, where the, does the bone ends? Because it's all in there, in the joint. But the word of God can be able to separate that. What does it mean? It is also a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is able to discover our condition. In other words, there is so much light in it such that it knows where we are. It discovers the condition of a human being. It, it's like Christ talks to the, um, um, I'm forgetting the name of the disciple, um, whom he said, ah, you are a true Nazarene. And he says, I saw you while you were seated under a tree. Okay. This was to do with things that were happening in his life. But when Christ speaks, because he's the word of God, he knows everything. There's nothing that is hidden from him. So in other words, our approach when we come to God, we should know that God knows everything about us. And his word which he has spoken was not spoken because he did not have something to say. It is a relevant word which in due season when we apply it, it will redeem us, it will heal us, it will take us out of the situations that we are trying to deal with. So in our walk, all I'm saying is, when you are going through life circumstances that probably sometimes are not comfortable, many times the cry is, why has God forsaken me? Why is God not seeing me? But let me assure you, that is word. Is can discover your condition, it knows where you are, and we just need to call upon Jesus and say, Lord, I'm here, here's my situation. Nothing is hidden from your word. The very word that you have spoken to say, if I call upon your name, you can save me. Lord, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm praying for that right now. 
so that you come through for me. Okay. That is uh, the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 23, um, verse um, 29. It says that, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. In other words, when we use the word of God, it is not so much how hard the situation is or how tough the situation appears or the circumstance I'm trying to deal with because the word of God has got that strength in it or potency in it to be able to address even what is so hard and difficult to a point that that situation can be collapsed, it can be, it can be broken by applying the word of God. That's what Jeremiah is talking about here. So, if we also go um, uh, um, into the word of God, you see that God, when he speaks his word, sometimes we see in the word that you speak of things that are not as if they were. Because the word of God, once he decrees it, it has got such power to achieve whatever he says, even if we don't see anything. So when he's speaking to, uh, to Abraham, he calls him father of many nations. But he didn't have a son at the time. But he calls him that. Why is he? Because God is not waiting for an event to say, after this event is happen, uh, has happened, then I can speak like this because I can see things are going in this way. No. God speaks a word that lays a foundation, and upon that foundation, there's a structure that then uh, comes up. So he says to Abraham, father of many nations, because he has the power to make him one. So I'm saying to us, when we are looking at the word of God, whatever the word of God says, or whatever situations we encounter in life, we need to go back to the word and say, what does the word of God say to me concerning this situation? Because whatever the word of God says, regardless of my situation, it means it can deal with that and produce the effect that I want because the word of God says so. Okay. Isaiah uh, 55, verse 10 to 11. The word of God says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. This is God. So he's saying, as far as his word is concerned, just like you'd send rain or snow from heaven, and its effect is that it's inevitable that we'll see raindrops uh, falling from the sky, surely by the time we go outside, the ground is wet. It's inevitable. Otherwise, it will be another miracle of God that we see it's raining and we go outside, the ground is dry. So God is saying, just as sure as you know that when I send my rain, it will wet the ground. 
it will cause things to bite. It will cause the, the, the sower to reap a harvest. So is my word, which when I send it, it has got an intention. I've said it not for anything, but I've got an agenda that I want to accomplish. It will not, it shall not return to me empty because just like the rain would wet the ground, my word would address the situation I've sent it for. That is the word of God. So what is it saying to us uh, during this time? We are always a people who are living in a world which we go through so many things. We encounter so many situations. But if we hold on to God, if we hold on to him, remember what uh, uh, the, the book of John says, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And that word became flesh, if we go to John 1 verse 1 which is talking about Christ. So the word of God is Jesus Christ himself, who is there today, tomorrow, and forever. It does not change. Yesterday he was there. Today is there. Forever he is there. So nothing will change. And the word of God also tells us that uh, he is the truth, the way, and the life. So you want to live life on earth? Walk according to the words of God, according to Jesus. You want to, to know the way, he is the way. You want the truth, he is the truth. That is the word of God. Okay. Now, I haven't gotten to the points that I said we're going to talk, talk about the doctrine, but we are getting there. But I wanted to lay a foundation on the word of God because we're talking about both the power of the word of God and the profit in it. Okay, so now when we talk about the doctrine of the word, there are four things necessarily, but also uh, kind of like a sub one to make them five. But here are the things that I want you to know when we are talking about the doctrine of the word or the word as it applies to your life. Number one is the authority of the word of God. Okay, I'll just summarize them first. And then after that, we can... Uh, um, uh, we can then um, go through them. Okay, so it's the authority of the word of God. Um, and then number two, it is the clarity of the word of God. Number three, it is the necessity of the word of God. Then number four, it is the sufficiency of the word of God. So the sub one, which we may uh, also add to, um, to, to this, is the inerrance of the word of God. Inerrance as in it has no error. Um, it's, it's, it's a sub one, which uh, basically would come under... Uh, the, the, the authority of the word of God. But let's just go through this. Okay. So all I'm saying to us is that the word of God has authority. Number two, it, is, it has clarity. It is clear. Number three, it is necessary for our lives. Number four, it is sufficient. We don't need to add or subtract. It is sufficient. Okay. So the authority of the word of God. The word of God says in uh, the book of Timo, 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. Okay. 2 
It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay. There's also another scripture that is important, uh, which the psalmist says, Psalm 132, 38, verse 2. I worship toward the holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Okay. So this is the extent to which God is his word. So you can't separate him from his word. So what he has spoken is going to stand. He will not change it for anything. It will stand. So when we read the word of God, it doesn't matter which generation it is. I know things are changing. The world is changing. It will always be changing. Things are changing. And the way they view certain things in the word of God, ah, no, but in this generation is different. We have to understand this. But let me tell you something that does not change. It is the word of God. People might change their perception of the word of God, but the word of God itself does not change. People might think that certain things were, uh, we could they, you, you, could, uh, you could not do them in the past. Oh, maybe it's old school. It's what? But let me tell you something. The word of God, whether you want to call it old school, whether you want to make it new school, it does not change. Yeah, it might change to address different situations, but its effect and power and its message remains consistent and the same. Okay. So, Paul says here, all the scripture is inspired of God. And it is useful for teaching, for rebuking us, for training us in righteousness. This is the authority of the word. So whenever we read the word of God, we must know that I'm reading something that is addressing me with authority. Not that it's a suggestion of how I should live. If I'm a child of God, I must submit myself to the word of God to the extent that I know that I should believe the word of God as I read it in the word of God. If you have your Bible with the books of the Bible that we subscribe to ourselves, not those with the editions and so forth, no, if we read the word of God, we must know that it is coming as an inspiration, as a teaching, as a rebuke, including the genealogies that are so boring to read in the word of God. When you read the, 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 the gospels, it will go and it gives you uh, going some starting with Abraham, some going to Adam. We should read it because it's for our instruction to understand how God created things and the order of things and the seasons that were before to come to where we are now. It's for our instruction. So when we are reading it, we must read it with authority, not doubting the word of God, lest it becomes not so profitable to us. But when we receive it as it is, it will help us that we, uh, uh, it, will, it, will, it will help uh, to carry the authority that it carries. Um, one of the things that we should know about authority, we remember the story of the 
centurion uh, who went to Jesus and uh, his servant was not well. We remember that story. And he says, Lord, my servant is sick and I need, uh, I need you to, to heal. And Christ then says, you go there. But this man who is described as one of those with such faith that had never been seen, says to the Lord, you actually don't need to come to my house because I'm not even worthy for you to do that. Just speak the word, Lord. It shall be well. In other words, this is a man who understood the authority of the word of God to the situation that he was asking the Lord to come through for. Just his word is enough. I don't know what is our attitude today. Is the word of God enough in your situation? Or we need to make our own plans? Or we need to, we need to feel that, you know, how uh, in the old days, there was just some fallacy about how Christians, we approached God. No, I saw angelic hosts. I saw angels and so forth. You don't need to see any angel in your life. What you need is the word of God to deal with your situation. You don't need anything, but it is the word of God that you need. Just like the centurion said, just speak the word. And it was done exactly as he had asked. The Lord spoke the word and the servant was well. Okay, the clarity of the word of God. The Bible is clear enough for anyone to understand. I know here and there we need commentaries for us to understand certain things because for us probably they were written, some things were written in a certain context as in the background and, and setting at the time. But surely it is clear enough for anyone to understand. So Moses tells the people of Israel, uh, and he says, and these words, that is the, uh, sorry, the scripture reference is Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7. And he says, these words I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So he was saying, it is, when you speak my word, it becomes clear to you what I'm saying to you. When you read the word of God, it becomes clear. Talk about it in your home. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it with your children. Teach them the word of God. This because it is not necessarily complicated that you say, ah, no, I have no one to help me understand. Even if you don't understand, there is enough resources as in commentaries, as in teachers of the word. Remember, even the Ethiopian eunuch on his way, when he said, how can I understand unless someone interprets, God provided in an, an interpreter as in Philip going to make him understand because there was a yearning and a hunger in his heart to say he's reading and he's reading about the Messiah and God saw that there is a hunger in this man. He's not understanding maybe because of the setting I'm sending Philip to go and, and, uh, and, and explain. We have the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ said 
I will never leave you as orphans. So as we read the word of God, clarity is in there, but God will help us understand because he has also given us his Holy Spirit so that we can understand what the word of God says. Okay. The necessity of the word of God. You can say to yourself, the word of God is necessary in my life. How can we know God without the word of God? Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 18 to 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 18 to 17. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. But they, have not, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God is necessary for our lives as people in terms of how do I know God without the word of God? I need the word of God for me to be able to understand or know the God I'm talking about. Paul goes into that region where he's seeing inscriptions on idols and says to an unknown God. So he takes advantage of that and he says, I saw some nice messages and on one it was written to an unknown God. I've come to you to talk to you about this unknown God, he starts preaching the word of God. Why? Because they did not know God. But Paul comes and preaches the word of God because it is necessary for salvation. So inasmuch as we live our lives and we are applying the word of God for our own needs, the same word of God, according to the great commission we were given in Matthew chapter 28 by Christ himself, we need to go out and preach the word and make disciples of all nations. But they cannot become disciples unless they've had the word of God. They cannot believe unless they've had the word of God. And we need to preach that word. So it brings with a, it, this comes with an understanding where there is a personal portion for you, but there is also a mandatory effect to say we need to go and preach the word because it is only the necessary thing that we can produce. Uh, disciples or believers for God. So we have that mandate. The word of God remains still the necessary and most needed evangelistic tool today. When you were leading us in earlier on about Billy Graham, it was not so much the singing that produced, that brought the sinners to, to, to Christ. He was praying, and he was praying, obviously connecting with God, and he would, as an evangelist, he would preach the word of God. After preaching the word of God, waited for God to produce the results. Because people get used to the fact that, 
he will preach, we will sing, all people will respond to good singing, there is a place for it. Sometimes it is the evangelistic tool that is needed, only to the extent that it is the word of God in it. So our singing, our prayers, must carry the word of God so that they are effective in achieving the message that we want uh, or the results that we want. So the word of God is necessary for salvation and for all righteousness in our own personal lives. Now, let me go to uh, the, 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 um, the last one, which is, which is the sufficiency of the word of God. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. So you can say to yourself, the word of God is sufficient for my life. Actually, there is a scripture um, that, uh, that is in uh, uh, one of the epistles, and I think it's Peter, um, <clears throat> which talks about everything that we need for life and godliness has been given to us. Okay, so that is God talking about whatever we need for life and godliness, it has been given to us through the word of God. Okay, but going to 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 15. Okay, so Paul says, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From childhood, we have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is the word of God, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the sufficiency of the word, the sacred writings, which is the word of God. From our, whether your childhood is in effect, literal, or it is talking about from the time you start knowing Christ and you are growing in your faith, those sacred writings, they are necessary for our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is sufficient in that there is nothing in the word of God which you say, Paul was writing about this, but I think he just left a little bit which needed to be added. Because the whole Bible brings a complete word of God, which is adequate in addressing us and the needs of humanity for salvation, for godliness, for our lives every day, for how we should deal with situations. It is sufficient. We don't need to add anything else to it. It is sufficient. The word of God, if it's spoken to me, it is sufficient. I don't need anything else for me to get what I want. I just know that he is able to do it. Hallelujah. So, though we have spoken about that's the doctrine of the word of God. I've also mentioned that to add to those four, there is the inerrance, inerrance of the word of God. It has no error. The word of God has no error to say, maybe here God could have put it better by so doing. Maybe this verse was not necessary. It needs to be taken out. Even if you are talking about Jesus wept, if you go to the situation, it shows you how he felt for the people. So every scripture has God. 
a, a, a meaning which is relevant in our lives today. Okay, so understanding and taking the word of God as we should take it has so much benefit for our lives. One of those things, um, am I still good on time? Uh, let me... Okay, all right, I'll just do a quick uh, rundown of the few things that I want to say. One of the things that we need to understand when we take the word of God as we ought to as children of God, there is profit in it for us. Number one, we have guidance that comes through the word of God. The word of God is so instructional to us to help us understand how we ought to, to, to walk in life. Um, um, David talks about, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. That talks about guidance. He knew that he needed God. Psalm 119, uh, one, uh, 105, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. That is for guidance. So if we apply it as we ought to, it produces that guidance. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. That is the word of God. When, how does God order our steps? There is the word of God which is there for us. Many people are going to wait for forever, waiting that I want to hear an audible voice. Thank God if you are going to hear an audible voice, but there is already the word of God that you need, which is enough to guide you in terms of what you need. Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22. My son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That is the word of God. It brings life. It brings good health to you as long as you obey the word of God. Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That is what the word of God says here concerning uh, success and guidance in life. If you go to the book of uh, uh, Psalm 1, you know how it talks about a righteous man, how he's like a, uh, a tree planted by the river, which brings forth fruit in due season. And then it gives a contrast with a wicked man who is like chaff. There's nothing that he does which will be successful. That is talking about guidance. When we remain rooted in the word of God, when we remain rooted in Christ, we will be prosperous, we will be fruitful in our lives. Okay. I think I've uh, rushed ahead on that one, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. The next thing is that the word of God brings growth. Growth which produces maturity in us. Luke 2, verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature 
and in favor with God and man. There is need for us. How did he do that? Because he was obedient to the Father. He says, I'm about my Father's business. And he says, what I do is what I've seen the Father doing, what, is, what I've heard from the Father. There is a need for hearing. That hearing produces growth in us, which leads to maturity. And that maturity causes us to gain favor with God and also to gain favor with men. There is a character buildup that happens. This is the growth we are talking about. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 uh, to 14. It says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use, training yourself in the word of God. Like going to the gym, where the muscles are exercising, there is that need for us using the word of God that we need to exercise so that our spiritual muscles come to a level where they understand through reflex that, no, I can't do this. It's like someone wants to poke you in the eye. The eye quickly closes. There's that reflex action because by God's design, it is like that. So spiritually, we need things that can help us through reflex, through constant training, through applying the word of God, that we have such kind of response or reaction in situations so that we remain on course. Um, so you see that without that, we become, our growth uh, becomes stunted, or we don't uh, develop the needed uh, stamina in terms of how we face battles. We need to deepen our understanding of the word of God. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Give, therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We need to understand the word of God. Tim, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Sorry, there's quite a number of verses today. Diligence with the word, rightly dividing the scriptures. It's what the word of God is telling us, that we need to be diligent. Remember his instruction to Timothy that you need to divide, to understand scriptures and know how to rightly divide them. Okay. I've mentioned a bit about fruitfulness um, before. That is the third point that I have. Um, that in our growth, we are not growing or reading the word of God for decoration, that we are known or decorated in a museum as the... Uh, the the best Christian we have ever lived. We are referring to people of the old, but the fruits that follow them, the Billy Grahams, they've got fruits that follow them. And some of us have, are benefiting somehow through what they did. in the, So we need that kind of fruitfulness in our lives that helps us. So you read the word of God today, you might not see that it's producing effect. Um, what do they say about fruits? These fruits that ripen while they are on the tree. 
So in other words, while you are reading the word of God, it is already producing a certain effect. Um, what do they call those? I don't know if they are people. Uh, uh, climateric, climateric, uh, climateric um, fruits, and then there's the non ones. The non ones are those which ripen even like bananas. You remove them from the tree, you put them there, they will ripen later, but the effect is already in it. So you read the word of God today, some of it is relevant for there, some of it you need it later on. So either way, you need the word of God so that we know um, how, to, um, how to guide our lives. Um, faith. We have mentioned faith. Remember, we read from the book of Romans that so faith comes by hearing, uh, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. The, uh, a prayer that you make is only as powerful as it is rooted in the word of God. If it's just your own words all the time and there's no reference to the word of God. When Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, he says, I, Daniel, understood by the books that the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. So he was referring to the word of God, which came through the prophet Jeremiah that you would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Israel. Um, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. After realizing that God had spoken that the desolation for Israel, when they were in bondage, would only last 70 years, he began to pray and said, Lord, this is what the word uh, which came through Jeremiah says. So I'm now praying for the people to be liberated. So when the liberation is coming, he, uh, uh, Daniel had prayed based on the word of God. I know that even when we read stories about Elijah, he prayed that there be no rain for some time. Sometimes we think because he was just a prophet, he just woke up and said, there's no rain. He had understood that if you go back to Deuteronomy and he's speaking about a blessing, that God says, if you obey me, then you'll be prosperous. I'll bless your land. I'll do this. But if you disobey, hardship will come upon you. Your, your baskets won't be full and there won't be any rain. So Elijah, even as a prophet, he is prophesying, submitting to the word of God, knowing what the word of God says about any particular situation. Afterward, when there was repentance, he says, Lord, let there be rain now. So we need to understand that is the power of the word of God. Uh, we're talking about the issue of faith on that one. And the last one is victory. When we feed from the word and we apply the word, it brings us victory in our walk. And I think the most important um, uh, the story in the, in the word is that of Jesus Christ. If we go to Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11, I'm not going to read it, but how Jesus overcame the enemy by understanding the word. When you are tempted, uh, convert these stones to bread. And he says, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He understood the importance of the word. He's tempted about power 
And he says, we shall only worship the Lord your God. Even when the devil tried to uh, twist the scriptures, but because he knew the word, he had to refer to the word of God. That's how we get our breakthroughs in life. Maybe a more familiar one, like us, who says, ah, what about Christ was the Lord himself? How did David deliver, uh, defeat Goliath? 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The wall of Jericho did not come down by a mighty army, but through obeying what the word of God had said. March around Jerusalem, and on the seventh day, you are going to blow the trumpet. They obeyed that in Joshua chapter 6, and victory came their way. This is only a small portion of what we can talk about concerning the word of God. There is so much, but I just thought we can remind each other about the sufficiency of the word in our lives, the authority of it, the um, necessity of the word, the clarity of the word that we need so that we get understanding of the word of God, that the word of God has no error. And if we live and uh, take the word of God correctly, it produces profit in our own lives as we get guidance, as we get growing in our work with God, as we gain faith, as we uh, become fruitful, as we become victorious in our work. May the Lord bless you and continue to watch over you. I'll just pray as we close. Father, we want to thank you this morning concerning your word. It is your very word that becomes the backbone of our salvation and our relationship with you. And we do have that as you have provided it to us, that we have unlimited access to the word of God. Lord, it is only to the extent that we apply the word that we find ourselves in a victorious place. We want to continue to benefit from the word of God, Lord, because it is living and active. We know that it is life. In other words, Lord, it is full of uh, uh, a life in it that when we speak that life, even as you said to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones, dry bones, live? And he says, only you know, O oh Lord.